Hi, I'm Leah Lane, an award-winning travel writer and author of Places I Remember, Tales, Truths, Delights from 100 Countries. On this podcast, we share conversations with travelers about fascinating destinations and memorable experiences around the world. Summer means outdoors, picnics on a lawn with kids playing nearby, driving with the top down to get drippy ice cream cones at a roadside stand, or buttery lobster rolls on a wooden table by the ocean in Maine, listening to an indie rock group in the town square, or lazing on a beach or on a dock by a lake, shopping for fresh corn and warm tomatoes at farmer's markets, baseball games in boats, fairs and camps, and eating outside. I love summer, but what I love most are summer festivals around the world. In episode eight about spring travel, I gave you a whole bunch of fun spring festivals, and I've collected some of my favorite quirkiest summer festivals to share with you in this episode. And if you plan to attend any, always check ahead to be sure they're on. Let's start with the United States. At the Florida Keys Underwater Music Festival, held annually on the Saturday after July 4th, a concert is held at Lowell Key Reef, part of the world's third largest and North America's only living coral reef. Here's the catch. Ocean-themed songs are streamed into the water through waterproof speakers hung from the bottoms of boats floating above the reef. You can hear maybe The Little Mermaid or Jimmy Buffett's Fins or The Beatles' Octopus Garden. You'll see musician divers with mermaids playing surreal instruments, such as a flukulele. Sound travels 4.3 times faster in water than in air, so you can listen to musical vibes not just with your ears, but your entire body. Hang on to your hats at the Bridgeport, Connecticut Hat Festival. Contestants gather in Bucky Doo Square. Yes, that's its real name. To be shortlisted for the Fun Hats Competition for Best Ladies, Gents, Girls, and Boys Hats and the Most Elegantly Hatted Couple. The main event is Hatter Day. There's a hat hurling challenge, psychic hat reading, and even a best hatted dog competition. Elvis Week is usually held in Memphis in mid-August and includes movies, special performances, and the ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist Contest to crown the best Elvis impersonator. It's a week of scheduled events to mark the anniversary of the death of Elvis Presley. I do not think they have a tableau of him in the bathroom. And you do get to see Graceland. Let's go to Canada. They're not as silly, right? Well, here's a bit of backstory. In 1755, the British attempted to remove the Acadians from British North America in the Great Deportation, also known as the Expulsion of the Acadians. It was a horrific event that saw approximately 10,000 Acadians deported between 1755 and 1763. Attracted by the French language, many found their way to Louisiana, where they became known as Cajuns. A few escaped deportation and eventually gathered in Karakat, the unofficial capital of Acadia. In New Brunswick, Canada, on the Atlantic coast, is a festival celebrating the Acadian survival with concerts, the blessing of the local fishing fleet, decorating the town, and dozens of other events. On August 15th at 6 p.m., everyone in town parades up and down the main street, making as much noise as possible for a full hour drums and horns, pots and pans, and noisemakers of all sorts. People shout and sing and sport the colors of the Acadian flag. We are still here. I attended this noisy celebration a few years ago and suggest if you do, wear earplugs. The largest festival in France is in Bayonne in the northern Basque country. 
The opening ceremony has been at 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night since 1932. From then, for five days until Sunday, the whole town wears white with a red scarf and parties hard. You've heard of my son's escapades in episode 16, Running with the Bulls at the Festival of San Fermin in Pamplona, Spain. In Bayonne, cows are used, making it a lot less dangerous. At midday every day when the king of the festival, Leon, awakens, festivities begin and continue throughout the day with traditional bands, floral processions, and parades of giant paper mache figures and floats, everyone wearing white and red. In crowded bars, restaurants, and stalls lining the River Neve, revelers swarm all through the night. Now, this is a scary one. The International Highline Meeting Festival is one of the most terrifying and daring anywhere. And don't try this if you're a restless sleeper. Fearless sleepers are suspended above the Italian Alps on Monte Piana every September in just a hammock. They call themselves slackers because of the slack lines they're suspended across. This sport differs from tightrope walking as the rope is slightly flattened and has more slack than a tightrope, meaning it can move side to side or bounce. Yikes. These guys may spend their days and nights defying death, suspended hundreds of feet above the Italian Dolomites, but far below there's a normal festival. Festa dos Tabuleros in Tomar, Portugal, is the festival of the trays and takes place every four years. The next one is in July 2023. The procession of the tabuleros is heralded by pipers and fireworks and is led by the banner of the Holy Ghost, followed by girls carrying the trays on their heads. In the rear are cartloads of bread, meat, and wine pulled by the symbolic sacrificial oxen with golden horns and sashes. The girls who carry the trays wear long white dresses with a colored sash and are helped by boys who also wear a formal costume. The tray headdress, which must be the same height as the girl, is made up of 30 loaves of bread, specially shaped and threaded on five or six canes, which are tied to a wicker basket. At the top, there's a crown completed by paper flowers, greenery, and wheat sheaves. The blessing of the trays, the street decorations, the quilts in the windows, and the throwing of flowers over the procession of the trays carried on the heads of hundreds of young girls is an unforgettable sight. In June, another Portuguese summer festival, the Festa de São João, has been celebrated in Porto for more than six centuries and looks pretty wild. Participants jump traditional bonfires and revelers roam the city, hitting each other on the heads with plastic hammers. On windowsills, potted basil plants are set out with traditional verses from Portuguese literature. And on June 23rd at midnight, boats crowd the Douro River and people line the north and south banks to watch spectacular fireworks. Those bonfire jumpers had enough fireworks, I guess. There are lots of art festivals in summer, but at the annual World Body Painting Festival in Seaboat in Austria, artists use scantily clad bodies as their canvases. Techniques include brushes, sponges, and airbrushes. I guess they have to airbrush the naughty parts. I've been to Finland in winter. And aside from going into the sauna, ice fishing, and drinking, there's not much to do. So the Finns celebrate summer big time. And what could be more enjoyable than lazily floating down a river on a summer's day with a cold one safely in hand? During this floating beer event, the well-watered participants quite literally float along on top of either the Karava River or on the Vansa River, 
with the starting point at the southern Finnish city of Vanta, the fourth most populated city in Finland. The route comes to an end at a beach in the Finnish capital, Helsinki. People jump and scramble aboard makeshift, often tiny rubber rafts, as well as slightly larger paddle boats loaded with stacks of beer. Paddles and oars are optional, although they may be useful for navigation. Anyway, most of those taking part by the end of their beer-soaked journey don't care much where they are. El Calacho, known as the Baby Jumping Festival, is a traditional Spanish holiday that started in 1620 in Burgos, Spain. I happen to be in Burgos at another time of year, or I assure you I would not have missed this one. Men dressed as the devil, wearing red and yellow jumpsuits, jump over babies born during the previous 12 months to cleanse them of original sin and to guard them against illnesses and evil spirits. It also could give them bad dreams for life. On a somewhat related family subject, on the third Sunday of July, Thousands of Romanians dress in traditional clothes and gather on Gaina Mountain, hoping to meet that special someone. The Maiden's Fair at Mount Gaina was a place where families used to bring their adolescent children and arrange weddings. The festival is always opened by women dressed in folk costume who play the wooden alpenhorn. The celebration can be explained by the fact that the inhabitants of these mountains are scattered and their homes are far apart, divided by mountains. The mountains have also kept them together for all these years. So the legend of the Maiden's Fair says that a magic hen, a gaina in Romanian, who laid golden eggs, was brought to the mountains by fairies. Once a year, young couples that really loved each other received one of these magic eggs as a present. So locals still believe that a couple can be happy only if their wedding is done on Mount Gaina. Let's go to South Korea, where for two weeks every July, Thousands flocked to Boryeyong, a small town on the western coast, for the mud fest. Mud wrestling, mud sliding, and mud swimming have made this the number one and dirtiest Korean festival. There are mud pits, mud fountains, mud pools, mud massage zones, and even a mud prison, all of which are guaranteed to have you looking like a mud monster by the day's end. If you're looking for a cleaner time, the Sinchen Water Gun Festival is held in July in Seoul, South Korea, a wet and wild way to escape the summer heat. Bringing memories of childhood summers, the streets of Sinchan, normally filled with college students, close off for a parade of shenanigans. Split up between two days, there's an umbrella performance, a water concert, and even a water gun wedding. I mean, who wouldn't want to say they got married at a water gun wedding? And of course, the highlight of each day is the water gun fight itself. Let's get away from mud and water and go to Maralal in Kenya, a two-day late August festival celebrating dromedaries, the camels with double humps. It attracts international competitors participating in the annual race put on by the Samburu tribe. I watched a camel race in Abu Dhabi with the one-hump beasts. My favorite memory is of the fake jockeys bobbing on the camel's hump. There also were races pitting camels against people. The camels won. Nadam is the biggest traditional festival held in Ulaanbaatar, the Mongolian capital. Each July, men compete in Mongolian wrestling, horse racing, and archery in the city's national stadium. And today, women also participate in archery games and girls in horse racing. 
The festival might not be as quirky as some of the others, but I just like saying Ul-Anbar-Tar. This next festival is quirky. Furano, located in the heart of Hokkaido, Japan, is known for its lavender fields and ski resort, but also for the Belly Button Festival, first celebrated in 1969. During this two-day navel-gazing celebration in July, thousands of dancers compete for prizes with their bellies painted with funny faces, such as mustachioed clowns, animals, and Japanese characters. To take part, you need to draw a funny face on your stomach and cover your real face with a straw hat or something similar. The festival committee will provide a belly button dance outfit free of charge, and I'm not sure if it helps whether you're an innie or an outie. The Esala Perihara is an annual 15-day festival in Kande, Sri Lanka, venerating Buddha's tooth. This is significant because it symbolizes the introduction of Buddhism to this small island nation nearly 2,000 years ago. Every night, there's a parade of elephants accompanied by performers and musicians. The festivities culminate with a procession of over a thousand performers and a hundred elephants. The larger elephants have their tusks capped in gold and draped with silk tassels, and some even wear ankle bracelets. Animal rights activists won't like this one, I do understand, but it is a sight to behold. Are you a blonde? Do you like blondes? Then check out the Go Blonde Festival in Riga, Latvia, an annual event organized by the Latvian Association of Blondes. Their-haired women dressed in pink parade down the streets of Riga to promote economic growth and to spread cheer. The parade also has become a tourist attraction for people interested in more than just the city's fine Art Nouveau architecture and has become the biggest blondes festival in the world. Yes, there are more than one. There's a Marilyn Monroe lookalike contest and a Harley Davidson bike parade and concluding with an all-night party. In this case, blondes really do have more fun. And there are festivals for another kind of blonde, Golden Retrievers. In July, Goldens and their owners from around the world travel to the Golden Retriever Club of Scotland, appropriately held at the ancestral home of the breed. The festival began in 2006 to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the organization. Hundreds of dogs attend the event along with their humans. And of course, there's a best of show event. The breed, by the way, was created near Glen Affric in the 1800s by landowner Dudley Majorabanks, also known as Lord Tweedmouth. Other golden celebrations are in Golden, Colorado, of course, and Jacksonville, Florida. And don't feel left out if you have a chihuahua. There are lots of other doggy festivals around the world. The most famous food fight in the world is La Tomatina Festival in Spain. Late August marks the beginning of the famous annual La Tomatina, held in the Valencian town of Bunyal. The colorful and messy festival involves participants throwing thousands and thousands of overripe tomatoes at each other. Every year, approximately 40,000 tomato enthusiasts descend on the tiny town to pelt each other. Come 10 a.m. on the day of Tomatina, a slice of ham is hung on the top of a greasy pole in the already crowded town square. The goal is to climb and retrieve the slice of ham with a crowd chanting and singing in encouragement while being showered by water hoses. The moment the slice of ham is dropped from the pole, a loud signal goes off, trucks loaded with tomatoes enter, and then begins the chaos. Once the fight ends, firefighters wash the streets and people down with hoses. 
Surprisingly enough, the village streets look quite clean with the acidity of the tomato acting as a disinfectant. There have been various recreations of the festival in Nevada, Chicago, Costa Rica, and Colombia, but the original is the biggest and most tomatoey of all. And if you feel thirsty after thinking of all that tomato sauce, consider the wine fight at the Batalla del Vino, Battle of Wine in Harrow, Spain. Thousands of locals throw as much as 34,000 gallons of wine at each other on June 29th, the day of the patron saint, San Pedro. The festival also includes wine drinking competitions if you haven't swallowed enough. More throwing, and maybe some throwing up, I'm afraid, is in Australia at the Throwing of the Grape Festival to celebrate the first wine harvest. There's wine tasting, grape stomping, live music, and of course, grape throwing in a fenced-off area. Activities include a sangria tent, water dunking tanks, face painting, inflatable gladiator jousting, and sumo suits. And grape squashing is a group event where teams of four race against the clock to see who can squash the most grapes in their wine barrel. And ending with maybe the wackiest festival of all, back to those beer-drinking Finns who like to celebrate short summers. In Sokajarvi, Finland, male competitors throw their wives or female teammates over their backs to see who can make it through an arduous obstacle course and cross the finish line. The lucky winner of the wife-carrying world championships gets a supply of beer equal to his wife's weight. Cheers. And here's to wacky summer fun. The name of the podcast is Places I Remember. So here's one summer festival that I remember most, the Duct Tape Festival near Cleveland in Avon, Ohio. The three-day event celebrates one thing and one thing only, tape. Avon is home of the maker of the duct tape brand, Duct Tape. So Duct Tape Festival is not just a clever name. I knew that tape was useful, but I never knew how useful. I remember floats made entirely of duct tape, clothes from duct tape, and sculptures. The festival is probably the only place where you can see a giant duct tape Empire State Building next to a 350-pound duct tape cheeseburger. The festival draws more than 50,000 attendees each year. Admission is free, and if you're looking for a reason to attend, the first 500 visitors each day receive a free roll of duct tape. I still have mine on a shelf, perhaps my oddest travel memento. I hope you enjoyed hearing about a few of the quirkiest summer festivals you can enjoy around the world, and there are so many more. Next time you plan on traveling, look up when a festival occurs that piques your interest and try to go during that time, if you don't mind the crowds and usually getting a bit messed up in one way or another. Thank you for sharing this time with me alone. And I encourage you to share this travel podcast with friends and family who love traveling. And if you have a comment or question about the podcast or your own favorite travel memory, which I may read on an upcoming episode, contact me at my website, placesireremembereleahlane.com, or at my email address, placesireremembereleahlane at gmail.com. All my links are in the show notes for each episode and on my website. Until next week's podcast episode, go out and travel, stay safe, and have fun. Thanks for listening to our award-winning podcast. We've recorded over 100 episodes of Places I Remember, so follow us on any podcast app. And new monthly episodes are also on YouTube with gorgeous video. My book, Places I Remember, is available in print and Kindle, 
and I read the audio version. Follow my travel writing at Forbes.com. Contact me at the links in the show notes or on my website, places I remember, and keep making your own travel memories. <laughs>